0: And now, the Street Photography Magazine podcast with your host, Bob Patterson.
1: Welcome back to the Street Photography Magazine podcast. And uh, we have a guest this week that I've been wanting on here for a while. And his name is Dean Hinnant. He is also from Virginia. He's from Richmond, Virginia. He's from the, the big city. And, uh... He's traveling around the country, the U.S., and doing a lot of photography in the process. Uh, we'll talk about how we met in a moment, but Dean, thanks for being with us today.
0: Hey, Bob. Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, ever since we met, I've been, been hoping to get you on here. Uh, like I said, Dean's been traveling around the country. He's in Montana right now as we speak. We're recording this in the middle of August and uh, so i'm sweltering in the 99 degree heat he's up there in the nice dry cool air of montana not too far from canada right you're pretty close to canada
0: yeah yeah maybe maybe 45 50 minutes tops oh yeah okay. um yeah as a as a virginia guy uh, this balmy zero humidity summer is a dream <laughs> yeah. i uh i don't want to leave it
1: i i had all, i had plans to go up back up north in the month of july which is usually the hottest around here but i spent the entire month watching my daughter's dog while they go out west and enjoy the cooler air so got to watch a dog for a month yeah you'll you'll get out here again i'm sure i will will. i will uh definitely for sure i I love it out there so anyway so dean um, I guess before we get into things, why don't you give us a little bit of your background? I mean, uh, you've been a photographer for quite a while. And uh, how did you get there? And what do you do with it?
2: Yeah, great.
0: Uh, Okay, well, uh, I, growing up, had a great aunt who was a photographer, and she was a big inspiration to me. So. Being a nineties kid you know the 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 disposable kodak moment era you know the the fun saver cameras with the thirty six exposures uh then my my great aunt my grandmother they would always hand me one you know at family gatherings or if we were having a a birthday party for a cousin or something like that uh because they just believed in the importance of having photos you know for family and oh, the routine that got set up in my head was every time the next party or event happened, I would get to see the developed photos from the previous party because they had to take the film and get it developed. Uh, And we all lived in town. So it was frequent enough that uh, I developed a, a childhood rhythm of associating family with photography. So as I got older, didn't really do much with it through my Teen years, I was always interested in in making photos, uh, but I really had an interesting period of life in 2011. A lot was going on, and so I went backpacking for six months. And on this, you know, amazing, you know, cross country and international trip that I did, I was one of the only people that didn't have a camera. And after that trip, I came back with photos you know that i was in and that other people were in uh but none of them were photos i made and i had this sort of interesting i guess shift mentally of you know coming to the place of saying okay obviously you know i i like to remember things and, and moments matter a lot to me uh but they seem to matter to me a lot and if they mattered to me this much that i would get irritated or um or disappointed that I couldn't remember, you know, much of those experiences the way other people could. Uh, it started the question in my head of, okay, well, like, if those are just moments that matter to me, then what about everyday life? What about life as a whole? What about, you know, uh, photographs about everything, about people? And I've always been like a very visual person, even as a kid like i loved reading books uh, i mean i would like look at how words were shaped i just i've always been hyper visual never been a very uh, like auditory or or audible type person um so yeah it just that's really where it started uh in 2013 i finally got like my first camera, and it was like a T3, like a 10 megapixel, <laughs> two frame a second, little uh, little beginner camera. But I used it for six years, you know, just learning on it, and uh, you know, I used it all through college, and even after college. Um, it wasn't until 20, I guess 2018, that I really got the chance to invest in into some more professional gear and start using, uh, a camera at a higher level. And yeah, that's, that's kind of where it started and and where it went. And, um, obviously where I'm at now is I'm driving across the country and, uh,
2: yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited to do it. So.
1: Yeah, that's cool. It's funny. You mentioned those, uh, single use cameras. I always called them throwaway cameras. They used to be when you go to a wedding, they would, you know, the couple would put one of those on every table Mm -hmm. and encourage people to pick them up and take whatever photos they want. I thought that was the coolest thing. Of course, now everybody does it with their phone, but, you know, so they get those cameras back and have the film developed and uh, see what their, you know, whatever, what everybody's vision was.
0: Yeah, I um. I use film and digital now back to back and being able to use film at the moment, I'm very appreciative of, I know that it's got a bit of a trend right now in the photography community. Uh, but I think it's a good thing that people are using it. I definitely think that technology is a process of design, meaning photographic gear is just going to perpetually evolve, you know, as life moves forward. Uh, but I don't think that you know, that evolution or that change or that shift in gear uh for me personally will ever take away from the fact that I I associate the value of making photographs from the from the value of uh of living, you know, from the, from the act of living, engaging, and yeah. interacting with the world around you.
2: So, yeah. I've got
1: to tell everybody how we, uh, how we met. Uh, back in June, I live in, I tell I say this a lot, I guess. I live in Charlottesville, Virginia. Dean's from not too far away in Richmond, about, about an hour. And uh, we have a camera store here called Pro Camera. And it's a really cool store, I've got to say. If you ever find yourself in our little town, you're a photographer, you have to go there. And they sponsored a photo walk. Um, I happen to be friendly with a group in Fredericksburg, who the uh, Fredericksburg Street Photography Collective. And they decided to make that like a little day trip. So they came down, which was really cool because got to meet everybody in person and we were hanging out. And uh, we went to the camera store, and there were all these other people there for the photo walk, and Dean was one of them. And so he starts to tell us how he's just getting ready to leave on a, a trip. He's going to travel around the U.S. and mm-hmm. photograph, you know, his experiences. And most of the guys there, that were with me, they are middle-aged and they were going crazy over it. Everyone's going, wow, <laughs> I wish I would have done that. <laughs> when can yeah. I do that? And, uh, you know, so now we're all living vicariously through Dean's trip, although he doesn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. So I'm going to tell him you're on here. <laughs> yeah. Um, in fact, I'm going to see him in October. I'm, I'm judging a photography contest for him. So, Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. So uh-huh. they'll, they'll be excited. and I, And, you know, I always... You know, we always put a a photo. Um, you know, uh, we have we have a graphic that goes with each podcast episode. And we always ask the guests to give us a photo. Well, Dean doesn't give, need to give me one because I've got several with him in it, and uh, a few of the other guys <laughs> took some some good photos of him. So it'll be hard making that choice. So we'll surprise you and show you what I, that looks like. So anyway, I can't I can't wait. <laughs> So that's that's where we met and he left right from there. I think you went right up to New York City, right? Right after that.
0: Yeah, I um I drove up from Charlottesville, took some time, walked around DC, uh connected with a friend in Maryland and then connected with some friends in Philly. I had never seen Philly before. Cool town. Uh, and then yeah, I took a I took a train from Philly into Manhattan. I I was blessed with the opportunity to get a free place to stay for a little a little under two weeks in the east village and it it was total luck of the draw i you know, a lot of the inspiration for originally going on the road was uh you know connected to a project I was supposed to do last year, and i I wanted to take this summer and show the nation the country basically coming back to life i I knew everybody would be more inclined and more open to going out walking on streets spending time with family and i just believed it was a really enriching time for community in america to to see people reconnecting and so yeah i i did want to go to new york city because of that mainly because new york city to a lot of people is a is a a pilgrimage site for photography. But um yeah, I I always knew that I wanted to feature New York in in some of the work that I was sharing. So initially I was only planning on being there for two or three days and then my lodging fell through and uh you know I'm on a budget so lodging definitely impacts how much further, or how much further I could go? So, yeah, it just happened that there was a place somebody was in between tenants, and they had room, and so they let me stay there. And I spent 13 days, 14 days, something like that, uh, maybe 12. I can't, I can't remember. I just woke up every day, and I would walk 17, 18, 19 miles around the city, just making photos, man. Just you know, clicking the shutter and. I was all on Soho and 5th Avenue, Central Park, Brooklyn. Um, Yeah, one day I walked from Central Park over to Dumbo and then back across the Brooklyn Bridge and through the Financial Center and then back at the Central Park. My feet were so sore.
1: (laughs) a lot of walking.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I got about 30 30 rolls of photos uh, from that. And the Pride Parade was happening. I was I was shocked because I had been told it, it was canceled mm-hmm. or, or postponed because of COVID. And so I didn't plan to see that at all. And then one morning I was just walking up to Fifth Avenue and the whole thing was blocked off. And so I went over to these officers and I was like, hey, is there like a, a gas leak or something? <laughs> <laughs> and they, And they like looked at me like, who is this person (laughs) and they're like like, no it's the pride parade and looking back it's like if all the fifth avenue was empty and there was a gas leak i probably would have been evacuated (laughs) but um yeah it just it it was funny and i i it was a total tourist uh you know moment to have but that's okay i i I made some really cool photos from that And I've shared a few photos on my Instagram from my time in New York, but I've been trying to uh, be discerning about which ones I share because I would like to do some form of project
2: mm-hmm. after I
0: have everything. You know, just not necessarily a retrospective because I'm not an established photographer yet, but it's something to just showcase the, the summer as I am as I experienced it so
1: I'd like to take a quick break to thank the Street Photography Magazine subscribers for your support we couldn't do this without you you may have noticed that we don't sell advertising or sponsorships in the podcast or inside Street Photography Magazine itself and that's because we want to be completely objective about the work we publish and the services and gear that we cover our only constituent is you our listeners and readers. So if you like what we're doing, you can support the show by subscribing to Street Photography Magazine. It's only $5 per month, and you can do it by visiting streetphotographymagazine.com slash subscribe. And now back to the show. So you're shooting primarily film. I take it. I know when I, well, when I met you, you were shooting film. Do you feel like a Leica 6 or something?
0: Yeah, I have a I have a Leica M six uh and I also have a Fuji XT four. Oh. Um I do, yep, and so yeah, I've used right. that some um to give I guess your your listeners a little bit of context uh you know and share a bit of my COVID story. <laughs> I, I had a lot lined up before COVID. I had a job uh, that was going to let me do international project management. I was going to go to sixteen different countries. I think I was going to. I think the tentative list that I've been given was Paris, London, uh, Edinburgh, Scotland, Milan, Rome, oh, Munich, wow. uh, Madrid. I was going to go to Kiev, Ukraine, Hungary. I was going to be in Singapore. I was going to go to Tokyo during the Olympics, except like last summer, like not this summer. Uh, I think Sydney, Australia, it was this amazing opportunity I had. They were just looking for somebody to essentially do admin and, and go through and check off boxes and make sure this, you know, global rollout for a contract was being done. And I was over the moon because I was, you know, Going to make enough to considerably pay down some of my student loans. I was going to be able to make photos from all over the world, have a portfolio that, you know, was straight out of my dreams. And yeah, I was on a project in San Francisco. And then I was on one of the last flights out of it. And then they started having to symptom check people at the airport because I think. Like some plane came in from China or something like mm-hmm. that. And it, man, it was probably 48 hours after that, that I got told I had no job anymore. And, uh, Ouch. then about a, yeah. So then about a month after that, I was still looking for work and, uh, I had all my camera gear stolen except for my Leica. I lost like $6,000 worth of gear. It was my Sony a seven, three, my 50 millimeter Sumo uh, all my memory cards, my spare batteries, everything was taken. And the only reason my, my Leica didn't get stolen was because I accidentally left it in my friend's apartment. That was the only reason. And yeah, so I guess I share that to say, you know, as of last summer, I was pretty much at ground zero in terms of photography, uh, not really having any income, not having any stable work. And, uh, you know, there was a lot going on with my family. Like, um, so it, it just everywhere, it seemed like there was there was fires that needed to be put out. And I spent a lot of last year thinking about how I wanted to Come out of the pandemic. And it really raised the question for me how is everybody else going to do that? You know, how are all of us, after experiencing loss in our own ways, going to come out of this? And that then raised the question in my mind of well, then I wonder if any of that would actually be worth photographing. And if it is, like, how would it be done? And my mind went straight to street photography. Um, Because I'd mentioned. I'd mentioned to Bob at some point that when I was first learning photography I would read some of the the free editions of street photography magazine and I would like look at photos and that's that's one of the main ways that I taught myself composition and learned just some of the basics when I was trying to to get camera settings right and I would try to replicate some photos that I mm-hmm. saw but um so street photography has always appealed to me uh you know from the standpoint that I've always defined it as documenting, revealing the human experience and community. Um, Because street photography is always linked to, uh, you know, public space, sidewalks, parks, whatnot. Um, And we all share that. And that's why I decided this summer when I drove across America, I would focus on places that were coming back to life, but also places that... uh, You know, we're not slow and quiet as much as they were, uh, you know, loud and then bustling and, um, you know, had reminiscent notes of what life was like before the pandemic even happened.
1: Yeah. Just don't go to Florida.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I almost did. Uh, I have a great uncle down in Florida. I'm being facetious,
1: but yeah.
0: And and I I love him to death. And, uh, yeah, I I probably won't be going down to Florida for a while, but if I get the chance, I have a project in mind for going down there sometime next year. Uh, I want to I want to photograph Bike Week in Daytona because oh. there's like 100,000 bikers there and I want to do street yeah. photography in Daytona Beach and and see that community. I think it'd be really cool.
1: That's a that's a good one. We um yeah, we we've published several several articles of people who've done photographed different bike weeks. You know, people go there and they're mm-hmm. all excited and they're dressed up in their their stuff and they like to be photographed. And uh, it's ideal. The uh, I want to back up though. I want to ask you about this situation where your gear got stolen. I mean, oh yeah, just uh, this is something we all worry about. What I mean, what happened?
0: So I was. Not in Richmond. I was out of town visiting friends from college. I uh had started running or getting back into running as a way to just help with personal health and mental sure. health. Uh, it also really was a a super great way to deal with the angst that COVID gave every day because mm-hmm. it was just nice to have something to accomplish. Um and feel healthy about. But yeah, it, it was it was the it was so weird. It was the one time that I did not religiously lock my Jeep mm-hmm. that I, you know, I went out to my car and I had put my camera stuff, I guess, in the Jeep because I had expected to go take photos that day or, or make photos that day. And I was like, oh no, I, like I haven't gone on a run yet, I'll just go do that. So I went back inside, and I was looking for something, and then I realized my running shoes were in my car. So I, I went back out there, and I and the only thing I can think of is that was the one time I didn't hit the lock button. Um, and I don't have like a crazy expensive jeep. Like it, it's it's nothing like shiny, nothing that screams mm-hmm. like break into me.
1: Yeah, it doesn't the, matter.
0: Yeah. Um. All I can think of is I was in the neighborhood. And somebody had to have noticed that my car was the car of somebody visiting. And I came back. I
2: uh
0: Yeah. I packed up my car and I and I drove all the way back to Richmond. It was so weird because in my head I had already gone through the mental checklist. I knew Mm -hmm. my bag was already in my car. I'd ended up doing something else instead of making photos. I think we went to dinner or something. So um yeah, I I'm never going to work the next day and uh because I had finally found something to do. And um yeah, I couldn't find my camera. It was the weirdest thing. Um and I was traveling for work in the state, so I thought maybe I had left it someplace else, but then I was like, no, like I had it down down at Sam's House and uh yeah, it was just gone. And then I realized I looked in my car and I looked in my glove box, and things had been like restacked differently than how I stacked them. And I realized that uh, all like all the different places where I usually keep loose change that like most of it was missing. And I was like, "Wait, I think someone broke in my car." And like, no windows are broken. Nothing, you know, nothing forceful. So yeah, it was it was wild. I actually I had just talked to a friend of mine who was going to be attempting to break the world record for running the Appalachian Trail and we we had we had just talked about doing a photo project ar- around his uh, his attempt which would have been this summer. Uh he and his wife are expecting those. so he's delayed it by a year. Um but I just remember the feeling of not not like being violated but it was more Mm -hmm. i was just so angry because of all the things that i didn't want to lose last year um you know i i've been pretty good at being professional so i knew that i could always secure work i knew i could always be around family. I knew that I always had friends, you know, even though sometimes those things shift, like I always knew those things would, could be constant,
2: but like with photography, it was, yeah, it was very weird. Um, What, uh,
1: what city or town did this happen in?
0: This was in Lynchburg, Virginia.
1: a small town.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, but Lynchburg, uh, I, I had never expected it to be a place where something like that would yeah. really happen just cause I was in a suburb area and, um, you know, my friends were down there because they were involved in the local like, medical community. And so, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's why it was so irritating because like, of all the boxes to get checked. (laughs) Like all of them got checked, you know, it wasn't like I was in San Francisco. I wasn't, uh, uh, you know, down in the Bay area in a rental car. Like there, there was, it was no situation like that. Nothing screamed, Hey, there's a lot of expensive things in here. Um, but what I did was I wrote like a three paragraph note. I explained to people what happened. I explained, uh, to people, what was missing and and how much it was i explained to people that i needed a camera to uh continue to push towards being a full-time photographer and i explained what i was offering and i offered people portraits i offered people prints i offered people a lot of different things uh if they would be willing to donate or Or pitch in towards helping me find something because I just had no ability to to come up with six or seven thousand dollars and uh in forty eight hours, it just got sent all over social media, friends were sending it to friends uh people were posting it online, and I ended up raising about twenty two hundred dollars. $2,300 and wow. my Ford, just That's from wonderful. people who knew me or people yeah. who hadn't known me. And uh, it was really humbling. Um, but it also gave me the chance to get my Fuji camera, which I bought from Richmond Camera. Um, and yeah, I I used that uh, to really set myself up for what I wanted to do this summer. And after that, I was like, Okay. You know it's game time, and I need to I need to really push myself uh, because if I'm not going to be working on the Appalachian Trail for 40 days doing photography, uh, and if COVID is going to be a thing where you know hopefully we'll have a vaccine and and normal life will resume, I want to do something next summer that's that's going to help me finally push through and and. Get the f- photographic portfolio that I want is uh, something that will help give me the chance to pursue more freelance work, uh, showcase more of my talent, um, because I, I really was starting to feel that I was coming close to a good uh, look to my photographs uh, or just like a, a personal style yeah. to them. And I really love color. And so I already knew the the types of colors I wanted. And so I would spend hours every night instead of watching TV, I would be on Google maps, looking at different cities. I would be looking at festival events and state fairs. I, I was researching for, for weeks and weeks on end and living off of peanut butter and vegetables and, not blowing money, not I mean not spending a dime anywhere out of place, uh, working overtime if I could, uh, yeah, and I made it through the pandemic, and i I got to the point where I could actually take the summer and drive around America, and I was so excited uh, I've actually managed to be able to. Stay with friends or people I know or friends of friends this entire summer and not have to pay for any lodging um which is amazing there There are a few times I've had to sleep in the trunk of my jeep, but those <laughs> those have those haven't been uh as consistent so
1: so you're sounds like you're shooting mainly film or you're shooting a lot of film anyway and and uh curious about the logistics of that um okay I mean uh, How does that work? You shot 30 rolls of film, you're on the road, you know, you you can't drop them off at drugstores. Even if they still did it, I wouldn't do that. But so, what are you doing? Shipping the film back someplace and they process it for you, or you just still have it in your Jeep?
0: Oh, no. So, I don't keep any used film with me uh, for longer than a week, I send everything back to uh, an address and initially i was going to be sending it back consistently to pro camera but i have been shooting at such a volume <laughs> that i knew that i just wanted to keep focusing on uh purchasing some more film and uh focus on getting it all developed once i'm off the road uh cuz i i knew that it would take some time after i finished all this to go through and look at everything
2: mm-hmm.
0: um and This might sound crazy, but you know, I I come from a generation of photographers now where there's a lot of instant gratification, there's a Mm -hmm. lot of drive and uh I would say even pressure to constantly show how valuable you are or show Mm -hmm. how amazing your work is. And I just don't fall for it. I well yeah, I know (laughs) I know so many folks who burn out from it. Yeah. And um I don't even need to know them personally. Like I I can just see a tweet or I can see a comment or I can see somebody posting. They're taking a break for six or seven days from Instagram. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I have always tried to, to manage myself well. So as a result of that, I've never wanted to get to a point where social media sharing of my photography became something that burned me out. I always knew that that, uh, to succeed as a photographer was not just to succeed at making a photograph. It was to succeed at having the mindset of an artist, having the mindset of living as an artist, meaning that constantly keeping checks in place so that as I'm producing work, I am not getting stuck in... (laughs) You know, uh, a grinding wheel and um, or a rat race. Uh, I just felt like that was healthy. So, for my film, I have a lot of it stored in a fridge right now. Uh, And when I'm driving around, I actually have a small styrofoam cooler, Mm -hmm. and I just keep the film in there because even that little bit of insulation. Uh, like covered up with some shirts and stuff, it does keep it out of the heat, especially if the AC is on in my car. So I don't have to worry too much about extreme temperature differences. Uh, beyond that, um, most of the the film I'm shooting is color at like 400 speed, maybe 800 speed. Uh, so I'm not not really using a lot of different film stocks or a lot of different mm-hmm. variants.
1: What film are you? What are you using?
0: I use a uh, Portra
1: 400 and 800 mm-hmm.
0: and I also use Kodak uh, gold Ultramax 400 um, for some like the, the warmer scenes and environments. Yeah.
1: Interesting. You know, I think it's, uh, I think it's going to work out really well for you to send that film back and not even see those photos for God knows how long, mm-hmm. because so much time and experience would have passed. You'll you'll look at them with uh, very fresh eyes, almost uh, almost more objectively.
0: Yeah, yeah. I initially wanted to to constantly be developing my film as I went because I wanted to make my road trip a lot more of a production. And being on the road for a few weeks, I started to notice just how much trying to do. Um Eight, nine, ten different goals all at once it really took away from the value of focusing on having one overall larger goal, and I knew that if I wanted to if I wanted to best document and best reveal the human experience of the United States uh coming back to life after a pandemic i I wanted to focus on doing that and Uh, you know, if I was working with a company where we needed to constantly have those assets being developed and being shared, that would, would, that would be one thing. Yeah. If I, if I was, you know, working with like foreign agency, or if I was working for a publication where there were deadlines, if all of that was happening, again, that, that would be a totally different circumstance. Mm -hmm. Uh, but for what I'm doing right now I'm pretty much you know the 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 captain of my ship and uh I knew that the best thing for you know the crew of one was to just focus on making photos uh, and right. I did not I did not want to spend a lot of time taking away from that so
1: so are you doing the same thing with with your digital photos are you just like leaving them on the card and yeah Yeah.
0: Yeah. I um usually after a a day of of shooting, I'll dump everything into a folder and Mm -hmm. put it on my external hard drive. And I actually do everything I can not to look at it. Um, I'll I'll go through like maybe the first line, and if I see you know a couple of photos that stick out, or if there was like a few moments that I knew I really wanted to share and put on social media, then I could. Uh, But yeah, I've just been. Collecting, gathering. So, I've probably got uh, what, probably close to a thousand photos from New York, just on film. Uh, huh. A bu- a bunch of others from. Huh. I, I was in Nash. I was in Nashville on Fourth of July. In uh, that place, it was like a presidential inauguration. There was hundreds of thousands of people. Everybody huh. was just drinking beer and wearing American flags in all different shapes and sizes. Um, so yeah, I mean, getting the chance to like see all of this once it's done will be really really neat. Um but I am taking my time with it, so.
1: So, I know you're only part way into this trip. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure you had expectations when you set out. Mm-hmm. And I guess I have a two-part question about that. I mean, since you've been out there for a couple of months, what expectations did you have that you turned out that turned out not to be the case or unrealistic. And what were some some big surprises that you've had?
2: Yeah, yeah, those are those are great questions. Oh, let's see.
0: Uh expectations. I kind of flip flop between being an optimist and being a uh a skeptic. <laughs> uh so <laughs> that's probably some days, healthy yeah some days I just like you know I'm great, this is great, everything is great. this is going really well. the next day it's I'm getting stressed out, and <laughs> I'm panicking a little bit my, my palms are my palms are a little sweaty um yeah, uh so I expected that a lot of the issues or like the or like the the bad things from the trip to come from travel coordination or my gear getting stolen cuz obviously
2: I've
0: <laughs> I had yeah. experience with that um what else uh i definitely expected to have have the chance to basically get every photograph in my head that i wanted
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And that sounds weird to say, but like, as a photographer, you probably understand, like when you go someplace, you have a very, uh, big or broad idea. That's pretty detailed about, you know, a street corner or, or a new location. And oftentimes those things will present us with all these wonderful fantasies that everything will come true once we get there because we will be able to master every moment and be there when everything happens um but you know that that was an expectation that didn't get met <laughs> there there were plenty of moments I missed plenty of moments that didn't happen um but that's okay uh you know I actually talked to my dad a little bit about it and you know my dad's not a photographer, but he's had plenty of his own escapades. And um, he's always loved travel and, you know, living and camping and doing outdoors type things. And his whole philosophy was that I should approach it as the whole, as looking at the entire thing as an experience and not looking at it as a good or bad experience. Yeah. Um, And that was pretty good encouragement. So Um, yeah, I think what was most surprising to me was, uh, being able to see like just how different places are. I like, I knew New York would be its own flavor. I knew Nashville would have a bit of its own flavor cities generally all are kind of the same. You know, you have an art area, you have a Mm -hmm. a manufacturing area um all of those like recipe cards are kind of identical uh but like the individual people that that live in different places and and their motivations for why they're out during the day or why they're doing what they're doing the, the sort of like the rituals that each city has i found were the most surprising because you know what is valued as a as a as a public interaction in Nashville is pretty different than what's valued, you know, on the street of Soho or uh in Central Park. Uh the same way when I was in Texas, <laughs> there's there's a completely different energy to the people <laughs> of Texas. Um I really didn't believe Texas was its own country until I went there yeah. and photo and photographed the rodeo crews. I mean, everybody there is such an intense Character study, man, or, or character two study. Uh, yeah. Uh, past that, I would say biggest surprise was that I didn't really have any vehicle issues. I, I didn't really don't, have... Don't say any, that. You'll jinx it. <laughs> I didn't have <laughs> any oh shit moments. <laughs> um, I did have to get new brakes and rotors, but that is not... Uh, that's not necessarily a shock because no. I definitely right. had put some, I had definitely put some travel on my car. So, yeah.
1: So in terms of your photography, you, you've you shot a lot, you know, and you haven't looked at a lot, which is, I think a great idea, but, um, so do you have a feel of how your, how just your experience in, in doing so much photography in a short period of time has, uh, changed your style or caused you to evolve if at all yeah. since you haven't really reviewed the work maybe it, it's not a fair question but
0: no 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 it's fine um i how would i put this in terms of looking at my photographs i definitely have tried to avoid combing like repeatedly over and over again through um through the images the uh the film that i have from nashville the film i have from texas the film that i have from missouri the film that i have from the majority of places i've been hasn't even been developed yet so i yeah you know i can't look at it and see how it's progressed since new york uh, but when i got my photos from new york i did go one time through um a few of the folders and that's you know where i selected some of the images i put on instagram and a lot of the reason why i shot film predominantly was because uh my film camera is a rangefinder and i've always found rangefinders to be much more simple to use much more intuitive uh for getting really candid like honest moments with people so uh being able to use that i would say consistently for months on end where instead of being at work and trying to cut out an hour or two a time on the weekend to go make photos um you know my my job right now like for myself um is to constantly go out and and use my cameras and use my tools in different ways. I think that that has changed me tremendously uh, because there have been a lot of situations where I expected a photo to not turn out and it did. Other situations where I thought something was tack sharp and in focus and it never happened. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I've learned so much about making a photograph and I've learned so much about the the work that actually really goes into it. and um, it's taught me a lot about the value of an image and the value of what goes into, uh, making a moment become something that can be shared, you know, till the end of time. Uh, that sounds kind of like metaphilosophical, but that's, that's a bit of my head and that's, that's how I've started to view my photography. So, uh, And I guess on another practical level, in terms of how it's changed me, it's definitely made me feel more professional uh, and more capable. uh, And it's given me a lot of confidence because, uh, like as you said at the beginning of the podcast, you know, a lot of people haven't just picked up and driven across the country. And it's it's something that's fantasized about. And it's something that's, uh, how would I put it? it's it's you know it's a daydream it's it's something that anybody would love to do and the fact that I have the you know the privilege of of being able to do it is major, but a lot of that also is because the fact that I'm doing it to make photographs I'm not doing it just to to see the country or explore it um I'm actively every day waking up with the question of what's the story of of the nation right now what's the story of the country what's the story of people in the communities what's the story of life as it's you know as it's coming back together and so having the exercise of of focusing on those questions every single day i think has changed me tremendously
2: the um is there some
1: place or something you've done or during this trip that you wish you hadn't have done? You know, you went to a place and thought, oh, my, this was awful. I wish I would have skipped it and done something else. I wasted a whole day or a whole week.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, Brooklyn, the, the Brooklyn Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went to the Brooklyn Bridge thinking, oh, it's the Brooklyn Bridge. There's so many people going on it. I can just walk it back and forth all day and it was good but it just it wasn't really it wasn't really vibing with me and it's not that i hate the brooklyn bridge there's no animosity towards it i i love new york the food is <laughs> the food is amazing um yeah. the people are great and i i i went to the brooklyn bridge because it's the brooklyn bridge everybody photographs it uh-huh. it's it's iconic and it just, maybe it was an off day, but I wish that I had taken the day instead of walking around that. And I wish that I had gone someplace, you know, different, mainly because uh, I didn't really feel that the photos that I got from there were, uh, were my strongest. But I think our failures or our negative experiences offer as much value as our positive ones absolutely uh, so even though I would have liked to do something else, I still have to acknowledge that I did it, and uh, and what I was able to bring back from there, I think will still still be important in some way.
1: next time um, yeah, next time walk across a Manhattan bridge.
0: Yeah, maybe just a walk in the bike lane. Yeah, Um, I I I almost got hit by a few bikers on the Brooklyn Bridge. They were so annoyed with me because I'm sitting there trying to load my (laughs) my roll of film, and they're just you know blaring their little horns or whatever it is they have. It was so funny. Um, yeah, I probably if I had done it differently, I would have spent more time in Times Square. And I w- would have spent the day there, uh, just because it was it was very chaotic. I I got a photo from Times Square. I'll I'll text it to you, but I'm not I'm not going to post it for okay. a while. Um, yeah, it, it's one of my favorite photos I've ever made. It just it has so many little layers and little messages in it. Oh wow! And yeah, I I'm really excited for people to see it. I'm just waiting for the right time to share it because. It's just so cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'd love to see it. And I won't show it to anybody else. So, um, yeah, I was glad to see you went to Texas. I love Texas, by the way. Mm -hmm. It's like you say, it's like another country. People are wonderful. And uh, I I know you haven't published a lot of the stuff you did there, but I really like what you have on Instagram from the rodeo. Oh, thank you. Yeah. 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 Um, And I saw one one of your photos got picked up by a newspaper. The, the yeah yeah that, it did the, with the um whatever you call them chaps i don't know
0: <laughs> yeah uh some of my friends work at the local profile down in dallas and uh when i told them i was coming through texas they they said well we're actually you know interested in covering a bit of the rodeo a lot of that is because we're you know we're trying to show a lot of Texas coming back to life, even though, uh, you know, some local Texans down there I talked to acted like nothing had changed, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love Texas. That's, that's not really a negative statement about it. It's just Texas is a place where you can live on 50,000 acres and nobody would really know. <laughs> yeah, uh, cause every, everybody dresses the same. Uh, <laughs> in New York people live like two feet apart from each other. So, uh, yeah, T- Texas was fantastic and they they wanted to feature some some photos of that and so I went down there and covered it for them and uh I was really surprised with how the photos came out mainly because I hadn't done, you know, sports related photography uh since school and uh I I loved it. It was it was really neat. Uh, just the intensity of the people and the energy in the room, it was really, really cool. I'm curious how my film turned out from there. Uh, because with the nature of the rodeo and just how dangerous it can be uh, to be close to it, I definitely had to keep my distance uh, because I didn't want you know dirt getting thrown on my camera lens or on mm. my face. And uh, mm-hmm. it, it's definitely, I mean, its it's a very physical thing to even just be in the audience because you're just reacting to everything that's happening. But um, yeah, the animal, the bulls and everything are huge. The the people that do it, I don't know how they don't have spinal issues <laughs> because they just get it,
1: it's crazy. thrown all yeah.
0: over the place, man. Um, I think they
1: get a lot of broken bones throughout their careers.
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, it was also the 15th, 16th annual day of the cowboy when i went down there and i I was not aware uh probably because i'm from virginia (laughs) but uh yeah they they had a whole day festival going on in the fort worth stockyards and i've got seven or eight rolls of film from there that i just can't wait to see it's gonna be really really neat um yeah if i'm mentioning film a lot in here Just you know, to anybody who's listening, like I'm, I'm not, I'm not prioritizing shooting film because I think it's necessarily the, you know, the best of photography. I think film and digital both have their value. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, my rangefinder just happens to be film, and it's the the very quick reaction time I can have with that zone focusing Mm -hmm. compared to my XT4, which has like a a telephoto lens on it, like a 24 to 70. Um, it, it's just a very different shooting style with that. Yeah, yeah. And so even balancing having two totally different types of cameras on you at the same time is, is pretty interesting to experience. Uh, but I've been making the most of using both. So that is, that yeah, is why I've been referencing film a lot.
1: No, it's an interesting point. I mean, you've got yeah, film range finder and a, you know, a digital camera with a zoom and you're in a situation, things are happening. How do you decide which one to pick up?
0: Usually I will dictate, uh, my choices based off of how close I am in proximity to the subject, Mm -hmm. because my film camera has a 28 millimeter lens on it, uh, because my 50 got stolen. So, uh, Yeah if I had a 50 millimeter on my film camera, maybe I would be doing some of my slower work with that, Mm
2: -hmm. doing
0: some more landscape type things, maybe doing, maybe seeking out more portraits with people. But, uh, yeah, a 28 is just a very reactive lens. It's very much just lift up and click what you see or what you're seeing is pretty much what you'll get, regardless of how much magnification is in the rangefinder. um, and yeah so that's typically why I'll use that in a situation uh and then with my digital camera if i'm looking to do like very specific document documentary style photos like there's a photograph i have on my uh instagram profile that uh is showing a father and son leaning against a wall and it's in the rodeo center the, the whole back is painted blue and there are these white stars on it. And uh, mm-hmm. I, they're both looking in different directions, but yeah. their hands are almost in the same position <laughs> and they almost have the same expression. And they like weren't blinking. I mean, they were just standing there, just being very, very resolute. And I just loved just the energy behind the photograph. And I loved the image how it uh how it just looked almost like a painting and so usually moments like that when i get the chance to experience them that's what i'll use my fuji for um or my digital camera for i i also didn't really use my fuji much at all in new york on the streets because if you're on fifth avenue and you're trying to stick a an x-t4 in someone's face it's pretty obvious whereas with my rangefinder i could just lift up and click people wouldn't even people Mm -hmm. wouldn't even notice i had a camera um and that like discreteness that it offered was really really helpful but i i used my rangefinder to do street photography in texas um and i am really stoked to see how some of those photos turn out yeah. I don't want to spoil it, but I, I am excited because yeah. I've definitely started to notice uh and if people go on my Instagram they'll probably be able to see and they'll start to be able to tell like one is digital, like one is film. There there's definitely some some different uh energies that the different photos give off. And I'm just excited to have a like a collection of that. But yeah.
1: Yeah, really cool. So it's funny you mentioned. I didn't know that about Texas because I'm from Virginia. So do you, do you ever see the movie Giant?
2: No. I'd oh,
1: you know, say it was made in the early 1950s. There's James Dean, Rock Hudson, Elizabeth Taylor. It's an epic story.
0: That's an the, incredible cast. <laughs>
1: it, it, it is. And Rock Hudson goes to Virginia to, to meet a wife. And mm-hmm. so he meets um uh Elizabeth Taylor sweeps her off her feet, brings her back to Texas. He lives like in the middle of nowhere. He's very wealthy. He's you know, they've got this big house like in this dirt patch, you know. And, and uh, you know, he's in the he's an oil man. I'm not gonna go into the whole story, but basically it's about um it, it, it's about racism against uh, the Mexican people. And this was made in the 50s. So it was very, very mm-hmm. controversial in the time. They, they wouldn't even show it in Texas, and so this woman Elizabeth Taylor comes to the area of the Fresh Eyes, and she loves everybody, and she thinks she believes in treating everybody the same. And you know, the, they treated the Mexican, the Mexicans, and Mex, Mexican Americans very badly in those days, uh, at least according to the movie. And uh, uh, it's it's a great story, and it's. Probably like three hours long. I think it's on Netflix or something. You got to watch it. I think you would have you, you would really like it. Yeah, I'll, I'm sorry, uh, going off on a different tangent, but uh I, oh, that's I, okay. I think you would. It's a hard movie to watch the whole thing because it's so long. And, uh, and James Dean is like like a hand. He's like a ranch hand, and then uh, I won't spoil the story. What happens? But
0: <laughs> no, that sounds interesting. Yeah, I um I've started to look at vintage movies as a really good source of inspiration for cinematography and and sort of cinematic framing
1: well then you have to watch this one
0: yeah uh, because i told you at the beginning i'm a pretty visual person so movies and photo books and um and magazines have always really informed and i think sort of baked that into my head like as a kid my parents didn't really have money for daycare and uh so my mom was a a secretary at my grandparents law firm (laughs) and it's like the most anti-kid environment (laughs) to live in in the summertime because a law firm monday through friday like 8 a.m to 4 p.m is just a dead zone for creativity when you're six or seven years old. But uh there there was this one subscription that my grandfather had and it was from National Geographic. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he picked it up at, at the bookstore every, you know, month or whatever, or if he ordered it in. I just mm-hmm. always knew that there were National Geographic magazines there. And so I would just lay on the floor and I would just pour over these things, man. And you know, try to learn how to read. And I would see, uh, photography from people like Bill Allard and Steve McCurry sure. and all these other featured yeah. greats that everybody knows of as, you know, as household names now. And, um, I, yeah, I, I credit that probably with a lot of just the, the unconscious draw to photography because, a lot of my early experience as a kid, out of necessity, was uh, was using my imagination and, and and drawing myself, you know, out into the world through 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 publications like that and through books like that. And um, yeah, so even though I didn't you know play baseball or whatever with kids in the neighborhood every day like most people did when they were younger. I at least got the chance to find something that I loved and appreciated. And so, um,
1: yeah. Yeah. You know, National Geographic has inspired generations of photographers. And um, you know, myself as a kid, I grew up with Life Magazine and Look Magazine, all those black mm-hmm. and white photographs. So <laughs> and, it, and it influenced me to this day as to how I see things and yeah. what I photograph. Yeah, those are very, uh, very formative years.
0: I definitely think what we experience and what we take in informs what we express and what we put out. And uh, I think that's the one thing that uh, I've come to appreciate about other photographers I meet is getting the chance to actually understand and better understand their life and where they come from,
2: Mm -hmm. you
0: know, through the way they approach photography. It's really, really cool.
1: Well, Dean, I, I've got to thank you for being here. Uh, been uh, I've been looking forward to this conversation for a couple of months, so I'm glad I had a chance to do it. As your as your mid travels, maybe we can uh, get back and catch up again after you're done.
0: Yeah, I would love that. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I I can't wait to see to see how it turns out. I can't wait to listen to it. And uh, you're great, bub. I, I really appreciate you and, and what your team does. And I just want to thank your magazine for, for talking with me.
1: Your thoughts about the show go a long way in helping us decide on the guests and the subjects that we include in each episode. So please take a few moments to write a review in Apple Podcasts or whatever service you use to stream your podcasts. It helps us know if we're on the right track and it helps others to find and enjoy the show. The editor of Street Photography Magazine is Ashley Refo, and our audio engineer is Russell Boyd from WeBit Studios, found at webitstudios.co.uk. I'm Bob Patterson, and this is the Street Photography Magazine podcast, a service of Street Photography Magazine.